0: You are listening to the JSK Media Sports Podcast, the podcast where we hang out, talk sports, definitely going to make some picks, and you know we always end with some games. So if you're behind on sports, stick around, we'll catch you up. If you are up to date on sports, then come listen to our picks and analysis and anything in between or you just know nothing, just come enjoy some banter. So whether you're listening in a car or going to sleep or anything else in between, pull up a chair and hang out with us for a little while. I'm Jonah Kligman. I'm here with... Sean Schwall. How's everything going, Sean? We're still in that golden time of the year for sports right now. And now you're on summer, right? We're all ready to go?
1: Yeah, on summer. Big break. Getting ready to watch some baseball, watch the end of basketball. It's, it's fun. It's
0: a good time of year. Towards the
1: end with these finals, it's ramping up. But it'll slow
0: down a bit in the summer, but we got a lot to talk about today, but before we get into anything else, the seven-time World Player of the Year, awarded the Golden Ball at the last World Cup, Lionel Messi, is coming to play MLS in the United States for Inter Miami. It was rumored he might go back to Barcelona, have a little reunion over there, or even go to Saudi Arabia for boatloads of money, hundreds of millions of dollars more than he will make in the United States. But he turned down those hundreds of millions to, as LeBron James would put it, take his talents to South Beach. And I'm not a big soccer guy, but Messi's always been my goat. I think it was solidified for everyone this past World Cup. One reason I love Lionel Messi, we share a birthday. So if you, Sean, I know you won't, Sean, but if if anyone listening wants to know Jonah Klingman's birthday or they forget, just look up Messi's birthday and... Add a couple years for the to know my age because I'm not the same age <laughs> as Messi, but seeing him come to the US, pretty cool stuff. We'll definitely tune in. Inter Miami, listen to this, Sean. Inter Miami CF gained 4.2 million Instagram followers in the 24 hours since it really came out that he was signing with the club. They now have more Instagram followers than any NFL, MLB, NHL, or MLS team. Of course, NBA teams have a surplus of Instagram followers. The Golden State Warriors have over 30.5 million. But in terms of looking at the other three major sports and even MLS teams, Inter-Miami is bounds and leaps ahead of them after this
1: signing. This is crazy. I've never really been a big soccer guy or love the game of soccer. But this is really interesting. I saw that the day before he comes to Inter-Miami, their tickets are like, for the cheapest ticket that you can get into the stadium. And the day after he comes, his first game there, the cheapest ticket's almost $500. I mean, the fan base and the amount of people that love these big name European soccer players is crazy. And I mean, listen, if he came to LA, I'd try to get a ticket. It'd be amazing to watch history play. We know everything he's done in soccer and how big of a name he is and how he's debatably the greatest soccer player in the history of the world. So it'd be awesome to see him play in person. And it's it's definitely big for the MLS to have a player like that come and play. And now he'll be playing soccer, not football. Now he'll be he comes soccer. over here exactly. to the States.
0: Yeah, no, it'd be really cool maybe one day to get a chance to see him. But cool, he's coming to the States. Weird European soccer now with no Ronaldo or Messi, but they're getting old times are changing. But uh, Lionel Messi. Welcome to the U.S. Sean, you and I are finally in the same city. So we've been able to watch just about every minute of Game 2 and 3 in the same room. Game 2, the Heat won that game 111-108. Game 3, Nuggets blew them out in Miami. Not a blowout, but it was Nuggets all game 109-94. And just first, before I get into anything, it has been so much fun watching with you. And it seems like on these podcasts, we could really focus on just kind of breaking it down and not getting each other's thoughts. Because as the game went on, these last two games, we got to know each other's thoughts. But now getting into our our thoughts and our analysis, I have not changed my mind at all. Jokic is a monster. I mean, game two was Denver's game. They should not have lost that game. Their coach knew that. They came back game three in Miami and slammed the door again, but in their hearts, it should be 3-0, but they are not worried. No way Denver loses this series. When I when I look at it, when I look at this games, when you break them down face value, there's no way Denver will lose this series. My initial pick was Denver in five, and I'll stick with it. We'll get into our picks for the rest of it a little later, but It would be fun if Miami made it a series down the line. They definitely made it a series, winning Game Two in Denver's arena. But well, I mean, what are you seeing base thoughts here, and will Miami make it a series down the road? You took uh, you you had this going six, but uh, just initial thoughts to these uh, these back two games. We talked about Game One on the pod.
1: So I think about the the only real change that I've made in my mind over the first three games of the series, or at least the last two games, was before the series, I always thought it's Jokic. When Jokic has those crazy games, that's when they win. And obviously, Jokic is still the best player in the Nuggets and probably the best player in the world, but Jamal Murray is the X-factor on this team. He's the key to winning. What Jokic is doing offensively, he does every single night. He gets those points every single night. It's when he can sit there, be the distributor, give out the ball, and let Jamal Murray have 20 points in the fourth quarter. That's what wins them in the game. If you look at you saw that after game two when Jokic had 40 points, that this postseason when Jokic has 40, the Nuggets were 0 4 So him scoring is not what wins them games. It's up to Murray to win them games. And that's what he's been doing all postseason. We've seen him have... 20 point fourth quarters, and that's the X factor. Jokic is going to get his triple double, his 25, 30 points every single night, and that's consistent. What he does and how he does it is consistent, but Murray decides whether or not they win. So I'm going to stick with Nuggets and Six. I think the Heat will win game four at home, tie up the series, Nuggets will win two in a row and, and take it. But I think, I think it's all up to Jamal Murray here and whether or not they win it.
0: I'd love to backpedal a little bit to something you were talking about. Listen to this. There have been 52 players in NBA history to score 40 plus points in at least three career playoff games. Nikola Jokic, the only player who has done that, that has not seen a victory in any of those performances. You mentioned it 0 for 4 He had those 41 points in game two of the finals. I mean, you you kind of touched on it, but... I mean, what do you make? Is that that like he's an amazing, he's carrying a team and they just can't help him out? Or would a real elite player be able to get those wins and maybe distribute it even more as you were kind of getting into?
1: So what I want about Nikola Jokic is he's probably the best player in the world still. Whether or not he's 0-4 in those 40-point games, he's still getting those 40-point games. He's still getting those triple-doubles and putting up statistics that we've never seen before. And his defensive production has been way higher than predicted in the playoffs and he's been very good defensively. So he's he's still the best player in the NBA, the best player in the world right now. But I think what this shows is he's not comparable to those postseason runs that we saw from Kawhi Leonard in twenty nineteen or LeBron in twenty eighteen or these big names that we saw take their teams to the to the NBA championship and win the NBA championship. He's not producing like that. That's not what he is. He's not a guy that can be put on a team alone and say, win this game. His The best facet of his game is not his scoring, it's his passing. That's what wins them games. If you saw when they were talking to um, Eric Spolstra after his post-game interview after game two, they were saying he only had four assists. Jokic only had four assists, and they were, they were telling Spolstra that they should focus on stopping his passing because that's what wins them games. Nicole Jokic scoring isn't what wins the Nuggets games. It's his passing. It's if he can distribute the ball, if he can hit Jamal Murray or Michael Porter Jr. for an open three after he gets doubled or something like that. That's what wins them games. He looks
0: like a quarterback sometimes with those passes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I think he's still amazing, but I think it's not about his scoring and he's not quite on the level of those other guys we've seen.
0: Alright, so game four is Friday evening, Friday night in Miami at 5 30 PM Pacific Standard Time. You took your pick. I'm gonna stick. You know, I like I think we like to stick with these uh with these uh, our, our initial our initial picks. So I'll go I'll stick with Nuggets and five have him winning out, but fun series, Nicole Jokic still still be the unhuman player you are. Keep doing those things. <laughs> Right? It was looking like it was a runaway for the Vegas Golden Knights in the NHL Stanley Cup Finals. It was looking like those those Golden Knights would take a 3-0 lead in Florida Thursday night. But these Florida Panthers, this gritty team, they rallied. It was 2-1. They rallied to tie it 2-2 in the third period in crunch time. Two minutes, 13 seconds left to the end of the game. And they hit a shot and they sent it to overtime and then they scored four minutes and 27 seconds into overtime. Only one team in NHL playoff history has more overtime wins in a single postseason than the Florida Panthers, who have seven this year. That team was the 1992-93 Montreal Canadiens with 10. So looking at these overtime wins, clutch, clutch team. They've made it a series. Look, 3-0, 2-1, very different. They made it a series, and uh, Game Four will be in Florida again on Saturday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. You sticking with Florida, Shawnee?
1: Yeah, I like them. I mean, you said how gritty they are, and I I think they can take this to seven. I think they'll they could tie it up right here, and this is a big game. I think Game Four is the most important game of the series right here. Right, because you're you're down two one, and this either takes it to a three one, where the series is practically over. Or you tie it up at two-two. So I think this game four is at least overall game four in a seven-game series is the most important game, and this game is the most important game this entire series. I think Florida can tie it up here, and they could take it to a real series, or go down three-one, and it's going to take a miracle for them to win it. But I think they tied up in game four, and I'm gonna I'm gonna keep with them in seven.
0: Yeah, I like it. I, I mean, just talk about two minutes, thirteen seconds left. Just so. Uh... The difference between three zero and not only turning it into two one, but turning it into a win and a really clutch win and staying home and winning in yeah. overtime and having that momentum is is unreal. Dude. The Florida Panthers are doing something that really hasn't been seen again since 1992-1993 season. So really amazing. I I'm going to stick with the Golden Knights, and I think we could both realistically see this going seven. As we pointed out in our early predictions that we said here on the podcast two weeks ago and that we put over on our Instagram at JSK Media Sports. So I'm rooting for a game seven. It looks like it'll probably go a game seven, assuming they'll win game four. But we'll see. It's been fun. And uh, I I can't I can't wait to see what what happens with the rest of the series. Switch over to baseball. Wednesday, it came out that Jacob DeGrom will undergo Tommy John surgery to repair a torn UCL. So the Jacob DeGrom saga continues. And uh, poor guy, you know, we feel for him. He was moved to the 60 day IL early in the week. And some people were saying it was just for roster construction. He only had 20 days left. But came out that he does need a repair that torn ucl so the two-time cy young winner will miss the rest of the season starting only six games in his first year for the texas rangers he signed for five so one of them is already killed and probably the the first half of next year he only started 11 games last year 15 in 2021 12 in 2020 it's been since 2019 since he's had upwards of 15 starts and that was, uh, of course, in 2019 when he won Cy Young. Uh, had over 30, uh, 32 starts that year. So you got to feel for the guy. And uh, we're going to see this more and more over time, which uh, I'll get into it a little later, but just makes guys like Kershaw anomalies. And the, the game is headed to a place, Sean, I think more like football, where these power guys like a good running back are going to have these short careers. Major league pitchers now, they're not forced to, but it seems like their benchmark right now is you got to throw ninety-five and above. And Degrom was able to throw a hundred. Just because you could throw a hundred doesn't mean you should. Does this remind you, Sean, of another Met who used to throw a hundred who maybe's washed now? Yeah. So I and for anyone not putting the connection, it, it's Sinigard. So just because when you're young you could throw a hundred doesn't mean you should. And obviously you can't tell someone not to throw max effort. They can't really control their fastball, but they don't need to go 100% every pitch, and they're not, but especially with the pitch clock, I mean, I don't know, it's getting a little dicey, but um, at the very least, we wish uh, a speedy recovery to, to DeGrom, but more so, I sort of fear where this game is headed, especially for pitchers. I mean, we're loving Bobby Miller, and I know all of our lies open real wide, open you know, light up when we see three digits when we're either at home and look at the scoreboard or at the stadium, I got you know if we get to see him pitch, our eyes light up seeing the flames go over the graphic at Dodger Stadium. But again, when Bobby Miller needs Tommy John in a year or two, or we were talking about Ben Joyce when he needs Tommy John with that funky arm slot, is it really is it really worth it?
1: Yeah, I mean it's terrible. See, just starting with Degrom, he like you said, the one year he had more than fifteen starts, he wins a Cy Young. I and mean, we know how dominant he is, and it's sad to see someone that's so talented at baseball. And yeah, he throws at hundred mile per hour fastball, but he has so much stuff after that. He's filthy. All his off speed, that slider he has, he has so many pitches. He's such an amazing pitcher. So to see him just consistently hurt is really sad to see, and it's just bad for the game because someone that talented you want to see pitching every five days consistently. But but just for the game of baseball, I mean, it's I think it's exactly what you said with running backs, where. No one, it's going to, it's going to be really rare for someone to sustain more than a five year prime. That's about it. That's all you're really going to see is, is five years. If you're great, you have five years of greatness. Then it's another five years of falling off before you retire. So I think that's how it's going to end up being for pitchers because it's just such a strain on your arm. No one's arm is supposed to sustain throwing a hundred miles per hour. So it's, it's going to be tough for the game of baseball to see guys just going up and down like that.
0: Sean, when we were evolving, the cavemen and the monkeys, they weren't throwing 100 miles an hour. We didn't evolve to do that? No. All right. I just want to break down DeGrom's injuries the last three years. So May 4th, 2021, they said it was his side. A month later, it was his elbow. Five days after the elbow, it was the shoulder. A month after the shoulder, it was the forearm. Then uh, a year later, April 7th, 2022, it was just, they said it was his shoulder again. Then this April 16th, they said wrist. Two weeks after that, they said elbow. And now June 6th, they said Tommy John. So maybe those other injuries kind of compensated for the others and it snowballed. All I'll say is the Mets knew what was up. And talk about an overpaid player. Forget your performance. If you're not playing... If you're not playing, you're overpaying. That is a tongue twister, but it deems true.
1: Yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, the Mets knew what's up with him, but they were still stupid enough to rely on two older pitchers that haven't been playing or playing very well either. That is true. The season. That is true. But besides that, I mean, it, Jacob deGrom is, is tall and a skinny pitcher throwing triple digits. Like it's a recipe for disaster when you see that happening. Uh, his body or like his arm can't keep up with how fast he's throwing. He just continually is getting hurt no matter how talented he is. And then, like you said, I mean, I would take a good guy that's on the field every day or pitching every five days over a spectacular guy that's hurt with a new injury every two weeks. So it's sad to see him there, but at some point you got to stop paying him this much just to be hurt.
0: And I want to talk about these injuries a little bit and the, kind of these pictures falling off. But before I do so, I just want to know. It's not new to sports, players being great and then players being bad. And it's not new to baseball, pitchers being good and pitchers being bad. We're just breaking down the numbers and and looking at some things. But it just seems a little more dramatic this year. Uh, last Okay, so last year, your buddy Verlander, who's now on the Mets and who is very, not very old, but old. So last year, Verlander led all majors in ERA. Behind him was Urias, Dylan C's, Alec Manoa, and Sandy Alcantara. Those were the top five in the majors in ERA. Let me read you those ERAs this year. Verlander, 4.85 and was injured for the front end of this year. Urias, 4.39, still on the injured list. Dylan sees 4.63. Alec, Mano- Alec Manoa, 6.36. They sent him to rookie ball in Florida. He's getting taunted on the internet. And then at 5, Sandy Alcantara, or Cy Young, 5.07 ERA this year lot of factors, I think mainly the pitch clock. Obviously, of course, yes, pitchers will fall off, but this seems a little dramatic. But these injuries and fatigues are coming in. Again, Alcantara, are these high-velocity guys, I do think it's the pitch clock. All it does, it makes me get an excuse to talk about our GOAT. It makes guys like Kershaw, who have a sub-3 ERA in their 16th season, who Thursday went seven scoreless innings, nine strikeouts on the road, when his team needs him, just makes guys like that all the more valuable. Because oh, oh, Scherzer, Verlander, age like fine wine. You never put Kershaw in the conversation. Kershaw's aging like fine wine.
1: Absolutely. I mean, just yesterday I was with a friend talking about Kershaw, and I was you know talking about some of his more what I thought were more rough years. You know, that twenty nineteen year. That everyone's like, oh, well, that's like the one year that Kershaw wasn't bad. And that's like, now we have to go back to vintage Kersh because he had that off year. I looked back at his stats. He's never had a truly bad year in his entire career. Other than I believe it was his rookie year. We only had like, I don't remember how many starts, but not a full season of playing. He had like a 4-2 ERA. Every other year for the rest of his career since 2009, he's had... Uh, like 3-4 or lower and most of those years are sub 3. I mean it's absurd what Kershaw is doing in the game of baseball and the fact that he's not talked about as much as guys like Verlander guys like Scherzer like you said makes no sense to me. Not only was he as good as them in his prime but he's still doing it. He's still sustaining that high play of baseball. It's amazing what Kershaw is doing, and seeing him do it at this age is is absolutely amazing. And for these other guys, it's—I mean—I really think it's a pitch clock. I think that's the first one to blame. It's a big change, especially for Verlander or Scherzer, and that's why it's even more impressive for Kershaw to be sustaining playing this well. But they've been pitching and having that same routine and be able to take that time for so long. And now this, like, sudden change, given just a couple weeks of spring training to get it down, is really hard on them. And I'm sure that's a big part of their ERAs going up. But I think it's also that prime of pitchers. It's just hard to sustain consistently good seasons. And I think we're going to continue to see guys win the Cy Young and come back next year with a 4 or 5 ERA. Look,
0: Kershaw's always worked quick. And he's not a nibbler like these other high-velocity guys. He throws strikes. He works quick. He says he doesn't even look at the pitch clock. He did get a violation Thursday in his start. But he doesn't even look at the pitch clock because he knows I'm going to throw it within those 15 or 20 seconds because he always has. He's always he's always worked quickly. But again, as as you mentioned, seeing those guys uh, get hurt and, and be worse, it's, uh makes guys like Kershaw. And the reason Kershaw's reputation is still so skewed is people still get really upset about him, about his postseason performances. And there's a lot to say. A... Those other guys that are talked about as the best pitchers, they don't have the best postseason stats either. They just didn't have the pressure on them when they were making those bad postseason starts when Verlander and Scherzer were with the Detroit Tigers and other times in their career. And Kershaw, he was all the Dodgers really got. He was their big pitcher. They didn't have other guys. So he was pitching game one and four. That's fatiguing. When you're asked to go deep into games, again- a lot of those runs he was giving up, he was giving up in the seventh inning. He was, I know this is kind of kind of a two-edged sword, but he was good enough to get to the seventh inning. So there's so many skewed arguments with that, and he has actually had good postseasons. And when we talk about, oh, Kershaw's in his 16th season, if you add up all those Octobers, he's made it to the postseason with the Dodgers 10 years in a row. You add up those Octobers, yeah. maybe not some of them are full Octobers. That's like a whole nother season or two, right? We talk about 16 seasons, 10 plus of those years were going from February and spring training. He was hurt a little bit, but he's been actually pretty healthy going through October. So I don't, again, another excuse to talk about our King, King Kersh, uh, is mm-hmm. amazing. And I hope these injuries get, uh, get better. We've been talking about it, but uh, hopefully we see less injuries and, and more good players being good because that's what this sport needs. All right, Sean, I want to talk about this this guy, but now that it seems like we're going to talk about him, I want to make sure I get his name down. I, I, I've i been known for, uh, we'll get him to him after. I, we were watching the game, Sean, I was calling him Eddie De La Cruz and you go, it's Ellie. I go, no, it's not. And then obviously I pulled <laughs> up his page and it was Ellie. But for this guy, Luis Arez, how do we do that last name? I'm pretty sure it's Arias. Arias makes more sense. So, Luis Arias, he's taking baseball by storm. He's hitting 403 in mid June. Right now, it's, it's, it's almost the middle of June, and he's hitting 403. Unbelievable. We touched on him last week with your underrated player. 452, 452 on base percentage. Here's the best part he has struck out 11 times and 239 plate appearances. Let me read that again. 11 times he's struck out this season in 2023 in 239 plate appearances. Unreal bat to ball skills and to have these stats in June is wild. Usually it's like April, May, they'll hit maybe near 500, uh, uh, near near 400 rather. It's look, it's not like it's we're nearing the end of the year but still to be doing this at this point of the year and for still a really underrated guy it's just, uh, it's wild looking at the looking at the stat sheet and seeing his
1: bat-to-ball skills. It's, it's absolutely wild. I mean, he's the best pure contact hitter in baseball. He's so consistent. And you see a lot of guys go for the home run, go for the power, want it all, want to be the hero. He just makes contact. He steps up there, swings the bat with the only intention to make contact and put the ball in play. And because he knows put the ball in play and good things will happen. He puts in the right spots. He has his ground balls through the infield, little bloopers that fall. He, he, he plays the game and hits the right way. And it's really awesome to see his stats and produce at this high of a level. It's, it's amazing. Hopefully he can keep it up. I mean, I don't think he's going to be able to sustain 400 by the end of the year. But, I mean, I think he'll be hitting in that high 300s, 380s. And it's amazing to see. It's so impressive.
0: All right, pivoting to another guy I had trouble with their name. Sean. I think we have a new guy that uh, week in and week out, I think we'll just sit here and list numbers every week, amazing number. He's a man amongst men, possibly a man amongst peasants with his size and player and, and power. His Ellie with an L. Ellie La Cruz. No MLB batter in the entire Stacus era has hit a pitch so high and so hard it was deemed almost impossible. The first ball he put into play in the majors was four feet high, that high that they said you couldn't hit, that hard. He hit it 112 miles per hour for a double for his first major league hit. Insane. And then he ran to second base and under seven and, th- and three quarter seconds. Insane. His first homer off of Sinigard went to the last row, literally the last row of Great American Ballpark. We could go on and on about the records and numbers he set in the minors, but he's in the majors now. He's in the show. He he, he reminds me of O'Neill Cruz. Uh, you know, just these and this is the future of baseball, right? We're seeing it with these pitchers, these flamethrowers. Obviously, the beautiful thing about baseball is you're gonna have your Aaron Judges and you're gonna have your Altuves and they're gonna be able to compete against each other for MVP. But when you see guys like O'Neill Cruz and Ellie and Ellie Dela Cruz, oh my God. You pointed out to me, his rookie of the year odds, he's already fourth. Just these 6'4", six, 6'5", six, monsters. They're, you're, we're going to start to see more and more of these, and uh, they are fun to watch. I think even the players in the field are like fans watching guys
1: like this play the game. I mean, this guy is special. Watching this guy play, and I listen, because he was playing the Dodgers, I saw almost every at-bat of the three games he played in, his first three games. He's special. Uh, Apparently, his home run ball was hit so high that the nearby airport caught it on its monitor, on its radar. They caught his home run ball. I mean, he's insane and, and we all know about his absurd exit VLO numbers, the fastest home to third in baseball on that triple, his his triple-digit cannon across the diamond, but he's also had a better eye. He's getting walks, and that was the big hit on him coming into the MLB, was that he's a terrible eye, and he's just going to continue to strike out, but he's through three games. Obviously, it's not a big sample size, but he's been better. He's been taking walks. He's been swinging at good pitches. I mean, and it, it's early, but this is as talented and as productive as I've seen any debut guy. He he came up and immediately started producing. Came up in his first game and got put in the cleanup spot. When do you see that? You get called up as a rookie in June and get put in He got a standing in ovation in
0: his second day. I mean, the amount of respect he already has is nuts.
1: Yeah. It, it's, it's amazing. I mean, I saw in his first three games... He walked, singled, doubled, tripled, home run, and stole bases. Wow. I mean, he's doing everything there is to do on a baseball field. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully he can stay healthy and continue to produce at this level because he's going to he's gonna break stats, break records. He's going to do everything in this league.
0: It was fun seeing Kershaw move him around to the right-hand batter's box and shut him down with a, yeah. a pair, a a pair of strikeouts. Yeah, no, but uh, just kind of cool to see a guy who debuted in 2008 still dominating a, yeah. a guy, but he is a freak of nature. All right, so, Sean, his first major league home run, top prospect in baseball, he hit it off Synergaard. Now, Sean, if you were in that position or in the future, you catch someone's first homer, what are you negotiating for the ball?
1: So this has always been a dream of mine to catch a guy's like first career home run. And the first thing I'd say to the security guards that came up to me is no matter what I get, I want to be taken to the clubhouse, and I want to hand him that ball. Like, I want to carry that ball, stay after the game, I'll follow whatever precautions you need to follow, but I want to be the one handing him that ball. And I would love, and I would just assume that some player would also bring me something, because I feel like that's what we always see, like we saw with the guys that caught Ellie Dela Cruz's. But I, I want to give him the ball. I would love a jersey or a signed bat or whatever it was, but the most important thing for me is taking it down and handing him that ball.
0: Yeah, we're on the same page. It was cool seeing Ellie De La Cruz, a young man uh, caught it and uh, he hooked up all his friends with. Uh, yeah. He, he gave the man who who corralled it in, I'm not going to use the word catch, but who corralled it in uh, a signed bat and then gave all of his buddies signed balls. But I'm on the same page. My one negotiation, my one negotiation, I want to hand him the ball. That's it. Anything else is to turning top. I want to look him in the eye and hand him the ball and be able to look back and say, Ellie Dela Cruz's first home run ball, I'm the one who handed it to him. Also cool to think, like, Noah Syndergaard touched that ball too, you know? Yeah. It's kind of funny to think about. All right, I want to look at the now the, we're talking about the NL Central and the Reds. I want to talk about the AL Central. There is no team, even 500, in the AL Central. The Twins, first place, Friday morning, right now, 31-32 and 32 record. Guardians also sub 500 and in second, but uh, they have Jose Ramirez who just hit his 200th home run and Emmanuel Class A just notched his MLB best 20 saves on the season. Let MLB last year with 42. Can he beat that this year? Already is 20 in, uh, in early
1: to mid-June. I mean, I think he can. He's so dominant. He throws absolute gas and He's also being a solidified closer every time there's an opportunity he's getting it. We see the Dodgers that have, you know, that committee type of thing where not the same guy's getting it every night. Like sometimes we see Evan Phillips, sometimes we see Evan Phillips coming in the eighth. Emmanuel Class a, every time they're up by three or less runs in the ninth inning, he's coming in and getting that opportunity, and he's been so consistent. I think he can pass 42. I think he can beat it.
0: Yeah. No, I hate closer by committee, but obviously that's victim of circumstance when you don't have a guy like Class A. But Class A, he's, uh, he's, he's fun to watch. Put it in the layman's terms, he's fun to watch. I think he could do it too. He's already at 20. I don't see him, you know, diminishing too much. But 42 is a lot. Last year, he let MLB with 42, as they mentioned. Behind him was Kenley Jansen at 41. Uh, I, I, I think he could do it. All right, let's get into, uh, let's do our power rankings. Do you want to go first or second, Sean?
1: I'll go first. All right, let's hear it. All right, starting at 10, I have a new addition in the Miami Marlins. Wow. Yeah, playing great baseball right now. I have the Blue Jays at 9, the Astros at 8, the Diamondbacks at 7, Yankees at 6, Orioles at 5, Dodgers at 4, Rangers at 3, Braves at 2, Rays at 1. It's a good list.
0: I think those front nine... About the same for both of us, but in 10, I put, I know kind of odd because I just talked about how they're sub 500, but I put the Minnesota Twins. They made it back into my top 10 behind them. The Blue Jays Diamondbacks moved up to eight Yankees stayed at seven Orioles coming in at six. The Dodgers will stay at five and moving up a little bit. The Astros and then big three, same as your big three staying last week. Rangers still weird to say, even with Degrom, they're a good ball. So weird. They're in fire. And I I know we look at the whole season, but when they're in fire, it's hard not to put them in the top three, top five. Rangers at three, Braves at two. Tampa Bay Rays sticking at one. Sean, what time is it?
1: It's lock o'clock.
0: It's lock o'clock. So looking at last week, the Marlins swept the Braves. Got me a much-needed dub. I am now 7-3 and on the season, and you stay red hot. The Phillies dropped game one. Stressed you out a little bit, but uh, over those gnats. But the Redbirds stayed in there, and on Saturday, they uh, they got the win for two, and then blew them out Sunday to reach Sean, your sixth lock in a row, putting you at a whopping nine and one on this uh, 2023 season.
1: New week, Sean, to the king right now to the nine and one, Sean Spall. Who's <laughs> your lock? I'm gonna take my new addition to my top ten in the Miami Marlins. I like it. They've sticking won with the theme. Eight of their last ten. They're a super hot team. They have a three-game weekend series against the White Sox that haven't been great this year. Keep Luis Arias and that Marlins team hot, and then get me another win. I like
0: that. I'm gonna go Diamondbacks again. You got to look at when you're gonna take certain teams. I do see the Diamondbacks will continue to be good, but they're hot right now. And a, a team like the Diamondbacks, maybe towards the end of the year, they may not be. Right now, they're the second best record in NL. I don't know if that's gonna stick. So you got to take them while they're hot. They're heading to Detroit this weekend to take on the 26-33 and 33 Tigers. I like it. Let's lock it in. Alright, anytime we get an excuse to talk about football in the summer, especially in early summer in June, I'm happy. And then anytime we get it to talk about this stuff, I'm happy. We talked about the MLB The Show cover athlete earlier in the podcast in one of our very early episodes so kind of cool now to see that the the podcast has been going long enough to see another cover athlete this is our kind of stuff did you see who's on the front cover of madden 24
1: i did i saw josh allen
0: first bills player ever to appear on the cover i love it
1: i don't i don't know no i'm i'm kind of hesitant on it i'm kind of <laughs> hesitant on it it's not my favorite they love the quarterbacks shawnee I know. He's flashy and talented, but I mean he led the league in turnovers and choked in the playoffs. He's never been able to do anything. Like it's not a terrible choice and it's it's not horrible. But there's just others I would have liked over him. I mean, I would have I think a, a Justin Jefferson cover would have been awesome. I think a Jalen Hurts would have been better. I think I would have put those guys on the cover before Josh Allen. But I mean it's not terrible, but I just think it could have been better.
0: Sean, there have been since 1988 when John Madden football, the original title of it, was announced. There have been a total of 40 different editions of the game between 1990 and 2021. So a little outdated, but still there have been the 22, 23. So that's probably about 42, 43. Looking at that stat, there's still never been a bill. I mean, you got to throw on a bill at some point. It might as well be Josh (laughs) Allen, right? I guess. All right. While we're sticking with football. Just while we're at it, is Brady going to suit up for the Raiders? His ownership is not official. They need I, a quarterback. I don't think so.
1: No. <laughs> I think he's done. He's old and tired. And if he were to go anywhere, he wouldn't go to a bad team with a bad franchise and a bad O-line. He, he's going to go somewhere where they have five yeah. amazing offensive linemen where he can sit in the pocket for 20 minutes take a nap and then make a throw. God, oh. I still want to see him on the Niners. So I, I don't think he's going to go there. If you film on the Niners, they're a Super Bowl The team. Niners would be cool.
0: Go back home to San Francisco. I, oh I, yeah, for sure. I have a mini game while we're on the For sure. I have a mini game we'll pivot from kind of football to kind of college football to college right here for this mini game, not the best of sub seg- of segways, but Twelve schools went to the postseason in all three major men's NCAA sports this season. That's baseball, football, basketball. Twelve schools this season went to baseball, football, and basketball playoffs. Two of those twelve teams have done it the last two consecutive seasons. Can you guess which team,
1: which schools? So, so wait, is it for football? Is it a bowl game as you're classifying as postseason?
0: Yes, yes, yes.
1: Right. It's not just the four teams that went to the playoffs. No. It's any team that went to a bowl game. Okay. So I'm going to go Bama. No. No? Bama they didn't did, make it for ba- they baseball? They did this
0: year, but the last two consen- What are the two of those 12 seasons?
1: Oh, right? okay. 12 okay, teams got it. did it
0: this year. Went to all three. So
1: who did it the last two years? Yeah.
0: Let's see if you could get them. Just minigame, minigame.
1: Um, LSU?
0: No. I'll give you a few more guesses before I just say it. They're both in the South. Tennessee? Yeah, Tennessee's one. They've made all three major sports. seasons.
1: No. I don't know. Arkansas. Texas? Arkansas. Arkansas. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, that's the thing with the football bowl game is that Arkansas is not even that good at college football, but six wins and you're in a bowl game, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's just the way it is. Alright, let's pivot to our fun yeah. our fun cue, our fun question. Alright, I'm a decently big sunflower seed guy. You are a big sunflower seed guy. Alright, what's your favorite seed brand and more important, your favorite flavor?
1: So I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of break it down in some criteria. Alright, I like it. If I'm going for flavor, I'm going spits. I'm going crack pepper or I'm going barbecue straight to spit if I want a flavor if I'm going plain I'm going David Sean when are you so going I, plain? I think David's plain you know I sometimes I, I the spit the crack pepper or barbecue is too much yeah it kind of rips up your mouth a little bit sometimes it's too much yeah the, that crack pepper rips, rips up, up your, your mouth <laughs> so I'm gonna and then I'm gonna give one more sleeper pick I haven't seen them in a while. But if you want just a high quality, just salted sunflower seed, Trader Joe's made some of the best sunflower seeds I've ever had in my entire life. So those are those are my three for different different criteria. All right. I'm going to I'm going to you know what I want to throw my own. I
0: didn't plan a sleeper pick. But now that you said a sleeper pick, I have a sleeper (laughs) pick. Okay, Spitz hands down. Best brand. I haven't tried a bunch, but because Spitz is so good. All right. Here's what I'm going to say. Number two cracked pepper. I love cracked pepper. It's the best. Also tied with two, chili lime because you know what's number one? When you have half the bag of cracked pepper and half the bag of chili lime, you throw it in one bag and you shake it up and then you have the golden flavor that's cracked pepper
1: chili lime. See, I'm not a big chili lime guy. Sean, we'd rip through bags during high school baseball. Oh Oh my god. The amount of cracked, the amount of my gums were torn up. My gums were torn up for (laughs) four straight months because that's all i would eat you know people give us bench such a hard time but we got to eat full bags of
0: sunflower <laughs> seeds for dinner
1: i went i would go to a 7-11 before that game buy four bags of sunflower seeds they'd be gone by the sixth inning
0: yeah we wouldn't even need food when we got home from the game we'd be full on sunflower oh, seeds we eat so many sunflower seeds okay my honorable mention is barbecue because it's a classic but here's my sleeper pick if you go to like a. uh uh, like a Mediterranean or sort of like a Middle East market, you can get these big seeds. I have a friend who keeps them in the refrigerator. Yes, I have a friend who the keeps Israeli them in the ones. refrigerator. Yeah, the Israeli ones from the fridge. They keep them in the fridge. Uh, they're so good. Yeah, that's my uh, that's my honorable mention. So, shout out to who you know who you are. Um, all right, Sean, <laughs> your turn for
1: a game this week. All right, so I'm gonna give you. I think it's a bit of a tough one but with your memory i think it's doable i want to see if you can guess the top 5 farthest hit home runs since 2015 so to be fair it's there's seven with like a bunch tied for fifth and two tied for second but if you can tell me list as many as all you right. can if you get all seven i'll be very impressed
0: all right, is No More Mazzara still number one at 505?
1: No More Mazzara is still number one at 505.
0: All right, Trevor Story also with a 505?
1: No, Trevor Story did not hit a 505. Is he on the list though? Where's... I don't see him. No, he's not in that top seven. Really? Okay, fine. I think you're thinking of the wrong guy. Oh, did Aronato hit it? Nope. More recent. A lot more recent. Oh, Chrome? Krona 504 is tied for second. all right,
0: fine. Okay. Um, Stanton has to be on there.
1: Stanton's also tied for second with a 504.
0: Yeah, all right. I want to go Gallo.
1: No Gallo. All right, Judge. In top seven. Judge has one tied for fifth at 496.
0: All right, so I need like a four.
1: You need one, yeah, you need Oof, I, this is a good game, missing... Sean. It's a good one. I like this Thank one. Thank you. Yeah, you're missing. Who's in fourth? And one more tied for fifth. Two more tied for fifth. Oh, so I need to get all seven. I mean, if you can. Okay. If you can. Are they also Are they also playing? One, two. Yes, I believe so. Wait, let me check this guy.
0: Okay, let me think a big.
1: I think so. Yes, 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 yes. All yes. right, I already guess judge. One right? of them, one of them, I remember happening. What? I already guessed judge. Yeah, right? Guess judge. Okay. Um, one of them's a former MVP. Yeah. Bryce Harper. Nope.
0: No. Okay. Hmm. God, I need three more.
1: Yeah, and then one of them I remember happening. Like this one was all over social media. Oh, Tatis. Do you want me to give some years? Yeah. Nope. All right, give me years. Not a big, not a huge name. All right, give me years. Okay, we have one. In 2022 at Colorado. We have won again in 2022, May 30th, at Colorado. And then one in 2019 against the White Sox.
0: 2019? Okay. Were the 2022s by Rockies?
1: No. Neither of them were by Rockies.
0: Okay, so... Alright, I guess we all right, let's go the first 2022 one. So just pick a 2022 one in your head. I need to narrow down the team, okay? okay? They're in the NL. Yes. Central?
1: Yes. Okay, is it the It's not a, a See, I want. this is a big name player. He was a big name player, kind of falling off. Is he on the Cardinals? Nope. Is it Yelich? It is Yelich, Christian Yelich, dollars wow. four ninety nine at Colorado. Now wow. these other two are harder ones; they're not as big name. All right, let's do Don't the same you. thing. No, no, no! I want to get you it. Look guess? at the okay, other twenty
0: twenty two guy. Okay. All right. Okay. NL. Yeah. West. Nope. Central.
1: No. East. I yes.
0: Okay. Were they on the Phillies? Nope. Marlins. Yes. Marlon's guy? Yeah. In 2022? Hmm.
1: 2022.
0: Who's a big. Oh my God. Last year? Not Garrett Cooper. Nope. Are they still. Oh, I guess that wouldn't really help me. Give me the 2022
1: guy Jesus Sanchez.
0: Oh, okay. All right. Now 2019. Do you remember
1: that? Do you remember that on like social media? No. That 496 one? I still remember no? a
0: Trevor Story one. I need to fact check that. <laughs> All right. Let's keep this boring. The game's great, but I'm being boring. But I now I just want to get this 2019 one. So it
1: was against the White Sox. Alright, go ahead. It was against the White Sox. Was it an Not on the White was Sox? Was it an AL team? It was an AL team. Central? Yep.
0: Jose Ramirez?
1: Nope. No, he's too small.
0: Were they on the Guardians?
1: Uh no. Tigers? Nope. Hmm. Come on, we talk about this team a lot in this episode. Or you talk about this team a lot in this episode. I did. Oh I yeah. did?
0: Alright, tell me the team. Yeah. The twins. Oh. Your new power is. Nelson team. Cruz? Nope. Alright, just tell me. Sano. Oh, yeah! I think I remember yeah. that one. Four
1: ninety six, four ninety six against White I'll Sox. i always
0: remember the Noma More one at the old, uh, at the old ballpark. Yeah,
1: that was a good game. And and you know the craziest part is number four, number three, number two. Oh no, not yeah. They're all in Colorado. All the top, all the top four are Colorado. Yeah, actually, except for number one.
0: Take Ellie Dela Cruz to Crazy. Colorado. Seriously. That'd be something.
1: He'll be first, second, third, fourth, yeah. and fifth on this list no, in one uh, game.
0: That'd be a lot of fun seeing, seeing Ellie Delacruz in Cruz in the thin air. All right. Uh, let, let's, uh, let's wrap up here. So, uh, thank you anyone who stuck through that game and for choosing the JSK Media Sports Podcast to be a part of your day. For, uh, for some more information, for graphics, go to, uh, our Instagram or Twitter at JSK Media Sports. Consider sharing our podcast with a friend, So we want to build up this JSK family, but uh, thank you so much for uh, listening and we look forward to seeing you guys next time.